How's that? <sighs> My wife and I both comment all the time that we're technologically challenged. Does anybody else feel that way? Trying to find your way around in a computer or a cell phone or some other advanced machine. And it's like, wow. So I have a few things I want to say before uh, we launch into the word this morning. And uh, one is... Uh, yeah, if you live in Orange County, you probably should take that class. I'm going to take it. I, yeah, so, uh, yeah, that'll be good for me. Not to mention the, uh, the, the cash discount for only two years. We've got to work on that one. Get AARP on the game. Thank you, everybody, for um, Christmas wishes, gifts, cards, sending us out. I want to thank us again. Uh, my brother Derek shared last time. We went out for dinner. We had a wonderful time together. Believe it or not, our staff actually get along. And uh, we had a great time together. We really did. So thank you for making that happen and all the other stuff. I was really proud of Harmony with the, the bottles coming back at that volume. That was awesome. Uh, per capita, that was really, really amazing. So I was happy about that, and I think you are too. Um, and I already gave out gifts to everybody. There's going to be a, a gift for us as well. What happened? What happened? I am today. I am. No, I'm not. Do you know he was a real person? I even, I even have a forensic reconstruction of his face. On vi- yeah, I do. You guys think I'm, I don't lie. You know I don't lie, right? I, usually. And uh, so, no, but what happened was the, uh, we had a wonderful night, a, a little tradition we started uh, when I got here is we take, uh, we take the teachers from Harmony out for our Christmas dinner. We want to bless them somehow. So Friday night we did that. We had a great time together and we gave everybody a little gift for Christmas. It's got our new logo we're working on for our church. And so there's one for every family or every adult. When you leave today, make sure you grab one. And uh, I think there's even a little treat inside it. Don't worry, we didn't break the bank. So it's a lot of fun. I need my notes or I won't be able to preach. I'm not Pastor, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tim, thank you. How quickly... You know what? Hey, hey, wait a minute. Wait, everybody calm down. Everybody just calm down. Okay, we got the lights together now. The trees calm down. You calm down. How quickly we forget. He headed to Florida for the holiday. I don't even remember his name. Okay. What was this guy's name? Anyway, Tim. Whew. He can preach without notes. Actually, he doesn't. He's got it in his Bible. He's cheating. I just want you to know that. So... He is going to listen to it. I make him listen to it. No, I'm kidding. But uh, over the months uh, that have, as we were coming uh, into the Christmas season, I asked our staff to do something a little different. I thought about this word that we've been parking on, Emmanuel. What does it mean to you? And so Tim shared, and he got a little bit emotional because it's this time of the year that he lost his dad, who was a preacher, for those of you who don't know that. And uh, so he comes by that honestly in his DNA, if you will. And uh, then last week, our brother Derek shared, and anytime someone with a British accent preaches, it's always good. It's always more spiritual than Hako, you know? And uh, he, asked, he, he asked some good questions that I'm going to reprise a little bit today. And so this is my turn. What does Emmanuel, what does Emmanuel mean to me? And actually, my title is, what does Emmanuel mean to who? You know, who? God with us. Who? Yeah, but don't you sometimes ask that? Who? Uh, us? Me? I remember uh, my, my uncle was a missionary, and, and uh, often in ministry, I might pick on uh, Don. Don, where's Don? Is Don, is he on duty? Oh, you're here. Good. Uh, people going into ministry usually aren't going into it for the money. And they never had much money. He ministered to migrant workers all over the country. And uh, one year he brought his kids with him home for Christmas, which we always loved. Uncle Al coming home for Christmas. He was just a fun guy. If you haven't figured out that Christianity was designed to bring joy into your life, you're missing out. 
And he was just fun. We looked forward to him coming home. And his son was with him. And uh, as I said, not always very plush. And we had Christmas presents under the tree in the living room. They got in, I think, on Christmas Eve. And uh, as they came in, the kids got a glimpse of the presents prematurely. Oh, that just, you know, Christmas was destroyed after that. Not at all. But I'll never forget my little, uh, my cousin, who we're still buddies, actually, going, you mean that, 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 and that are for me? That, that, and he rubbed it. I mean, he's a, he was good at it. You know what I mean? Uh, that's for me? And then three or four times, you mean that's for me? Yes, just be quiet. It's for you. And if you don't stop, you're not going to get any of them. But anyhow, for who? Yeah, Emmanuel. God with who? Yeah, good answer. But when you really get to know yourself and you look at the rest of the human race, sometimes we scratch our heads, don't we? Really? Why? So we've gotten some feedback from the staff on Emmanuel, and I've appreciated it. And we're going to talk a little bit about the meaning of the name and other names as well as we look at the text today, which is Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. If you don't have a Bible, you want to make sure I'm not making it up. This is standard Christmas story. All you have to do is turn to the New Testament. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament and the first chapter. How easy can it get, right? And so Matthew 1, 18 through 23 if you would follow along with me, in, uh, at least in listening to this. You may be so familiar, don't check out on it. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place, that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Let's pray together. Well, God, it's appropriate for we as your people to say, even though it's 2,000 years ago, time is nothing to you. So we say happy birthday, Jesus. And happy victory after your death, burial, and resurrection and ascension crowning at the right hand of the majesty on high. And happy restoration of your kingdom when you return and set everything in order. And we will rejoice in that. In fact, the whole universe, will the, the world will be restored to the way it was supposed to be. We read these stories and we can kind of sleep through the reading of the text because we've heard it so many times. And yet, Lord, when we read this, we recognize if it it almost sounds mythological unless there is, in fact, a true and living God who made all that is. And if there is a God, then we have some data to reckon with. And Lord, we acknowledge that you did, in fact, invade history. You started it, and you invaded it, and you rescued us, and you made it possible for sinners, people who have been shaking their fists in your face for thousands and thousands of years, you made it possible for God and sinners to be reconciled. And that not only reconciliation would occur, but that you could be with us without violating your holiness. That's amazing. Thank you. We praise you and worship you today. And we thank you, God, for the gathering of your people. And we thank you for gathering of guests. People may be looking in, visiting with family. We ask for your spirit to encourage and bless them. 
and all of us. Some little taste, perhaps, of what it might mean to have God with us. Let it be our portion today, we pray. We ask these things in the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. I realized after the fact that in telling uh, what Emmanuel means to me, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tell a little bit about me. I should have had my Charles Manson picture up again. Uh, I have a picture of my old days when I was the wild, hippie, crazy back in the 60s. Uh, And every time I look at it, it reminds me of Charles Manson. I just go, I was scary. And then I had somebody, I think from this church, I don't remember who you are, so I'm kind of glad I don't because they came up and said, oh, you were handsome. I'm like, what? (laughs) Anyway. No, I was scary. What does it mean for God to be with us? Let me start with the very first text that speaks into this reality, and that is verse, uh, in, in chapter 1, verse 21. Behold, the virgin shall be, uh, verse 23, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Emmanuel. For those of you who know anything about any of the Hebrew, El is the name for God. And so it's with us, God. Emmanuel, God with us. Last week, uh, Brother Derek talked about God being with us. So sit tight, trust me, those kind of things. That was reality. For me, the very, and if you're a note taker, I've got three fill-ins. I'm not going to put them on the screen. I'm going to tell you what they are. The first one is internally. God is with us internally, psychologically, in a universal sense, finding out for myself what is the direction of my life, what is purpose, see? So I grew up in New York City, and uh, I, was, I was raised in, in an assembly, and I told you that I had said all the right words and be, been part of the church, and then I went off into the world. I started searching out Eastern religions. I got involved in the drug culture. That's when I looked like Manson. And uh, I think that was a uh, Motor Vehicle Bureau picture for my license. <laughs> Made it even worse, I guess. And uh, so there I was. So what do I do with my life? Anybody ever had that question? Like, why am I here? So my mom, she was practical. She worked in the business office of a corporation in Manhattan on Park Avenue. And she said, uh, well, you ought to take some business courses. So I went to a two-year college because my grades were so bad before I couldn't get into a four-year college. I'm just coming clean here. And, uh, and I took uh, accounting. And I did okay. She said, you know, you want to get a business degree and that'll help you make your way in the world. And for some of us, that really does work. If you're wired that way, that didn't work. Did not work. Let me tell you how radically different the next step was. This will show you why it didn't work to do numbers. I go to the four-year college and now I'm an art major. (laughs) I learned that from one of my teachers. You have to go with the lines. Okay, that didn't work. I wasn't going to make a living that way. And then, and if you can't, God bless you, man. It's a skill set. It really is. And then something happened. And Jesus Christ came into my life, and all of a sudden, everything changed. And I knew what I was supposed to do. He had called me into a path. And by the way, I need to press on this because, oh, well, I thank God I wasn't called into the ministry. You're called. We're all called into the kingdom, God's kingdom. It changes everything. God with us. The very first thing that came into clarity and focus for me was why I was here. Why did God make me? What was my purpose in life? It wasn't just about me. There was a higher call. There was something bigger, something to fulfill in my life. Do you realize all of us were made for that very reason? There's something that God has for us. Maybe he's called you. I wonder if there's people in this room that God has tried to put his finger on to call them to serve him in maybe nations beyond, maybe somewhere in the pulpit. Who knows? 
I mean, I know a couple. But who knows? But even if that's not true, there's some direction that comes into my life because I find out who, in fact, I am. There's a famous, very spiritual movie called Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> and maybe you'll remember this little clip about oh, Hermie, Hermie the Elf. Like to make toys. Hermie doesn't like to make toys. Hermie doesn't like to make toys. Hermie doesn't like to make toys. Toys? did get the shirts, Ted. I'm holding you accountable for that. We're from the island of misfit toys, right? All Christians, we fit in there somewhere, right? All of us, all people. We feel misfit somewhere along the line. We don't know what we're called to do. He had something in his inner being. Now, they weren't real. You all know that wasn't real, right? That's, it's made up. It's stop motion. You know, you get that? Antique stuff. Stop motion camera action. It's made up, but there's something in us that God places in us that we're supposed to do. In his case, he was supposed to become a dentist. Anybody else want to be a dentist? What? What? Listen to that. Did you hear that? What? It's good work. Anyway, yeah, I, I got to tell you, this is an aside. I love going to the dentist. Yeah. Sorry you're allergic to dentists. Anyway. I don't mind going. There's a reason for that. I'll tell you another time offline. But he wants to become a dentist. But elves aren't supposed to do that. But he's got this thing inside of him that he can't let go. And it starts this whole journey. And he ends up connecting with a whole bunch of other people who don't fit in, who eventually find their way. He finds his way. And he becomes the hero of the movie. Did you know that? Rudolph is not the hero of the movie. Well, she kind of, he kind of is at the end. Hermie, the elf, is the hero. Anybody remember why? He gets so good at dentistry, he pulls all the teeth out of the abominable snowman. The bumbly. Yeah, the bumbly. He becomes a hero. We're not all called to ministry, but we're called to kingdom work. And then there are things that God wants us to fulfill in our life, not just to waste it, not just to get buried with the TV remote in our casket. Because that's what we spend our life doing. I've been around too long in ministry and seeing too much of it. There's something that we're supposed to find our way about. Starting with things like, you know, the right connections with our family and our interaction with people and becoming Christ-like. At least that when we become a follower of Jesus. I remember there was a preacher called Kirby John Caldwell. I heard him at a leadership conference one time. He talked about the two most important days in your life. When you're born... Of course, I would put when you're born again. And then he said, the second most important day, the day you find out why you were born. If God is really with me, if Emmanuel, Jesus, is engaged in my life and gives me a purpose and some vision that I'm here for the glory of God, there's something that's going to bear fruit by finding my way as a follower of Jesus then that really does make a difference. Gives me hope in the midst of difficulties. Let me show you a verse. We love this one and have it on our wall somewhere. Micah chapter 6, you'll recognize it. He's told you, old man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. I think I want to be the best dentist I can possibly be. Not me. I've, I've already taken up my career. Well, maybe I could still do it, I guess. The best police officer, the best plumber, the best 
nuclear physicist. Whatever it is, I want to do my best with what God has entrusted to me. That's called stewardship. That's a basic principle for the believer's life. I am a believer and also this and find fulfillment in doing what I was made to do. Everybody remember the great film? It's old now, but it's a wonderful story. Uh, Chariots of Fire. And the brother who is serving the Lord, he, he refuses to violate his principles on the Sabbath, but he's, he's a runner and um, famous brother. And my, I can't even pull his name up right now. What's his? Eric Liddell. When he's arguing with his sister, because his sister is a missionary, and she's a rather legalistic, uptight missionary, you know, kind of the pursed lips, you know what I'm talking about? You know, what do you mean? What do you mean you, you're going to run races? And his interaction with her, Jenny, Jenny, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. It's one of the best parts of the film because they describe how when he would run and he would almost enter into it like a running animal, his head would go back when he had that sense of the pleasure of God doing what God made me to do. Is it possible for those things to both be true? Yes. And he went off and served the Lord on the mission field. In fact, he died uh, on the mission field. He got uh, uh, caught in the war effort and was incarcerated and never got out. God has made us for a purpose. The glory of God, Irenaeus said, and he ought to know what he was talking about. If you don't realize, Irenaeus was discipled by the Apostle John, and the Apostle John was discipled by Jesus. So that's a pretty close connection. And it's attributed to him that he said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Realizing fully alive in Christ and fully alive for what I was made to do. It worked for me. I don't think I'm special. Well, my mother says I'm special, but I don't think it's because I'm special that God says, oh, you can know and you can't. That's not true. We've been called to enjoy God with us, God with me, to know I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I've asked that question at other times. Do I know that I am, at least from this point on, in the will of God and doing what I was made to do? Something to pursue, and that is especially applicable for you who are younger and have your whole life ahead of you to consider, how do I want to spend this life? Because you only get one shot at it. He's told you, oh man, what is good? What does he require? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God, look like your master Jesus. Get the fact that you're called to Christ first and to be in him and to become like him. And then everything else flows out of that. The glory of God is man fully alive. By the way, just an aside with our culture, we do a disservice to ourselves when we put ourselves in the center. And our culture trains us that we belong in the center and it's all about us. But it's not. And when it's not all about me, then I discover the fulfillment of what we're talking about here, of being fully alive in Christ. So the first thing for me with God being with me was that he was with me internally. I knew where I was going in life. Finally, after bumbling through several options and not knowing which way to turn. Second thing, he's with me eternally. Eternally. All right. Who's 50 and up? You don't have to admit it here. You can hide it. I think I was 50. I started getting this junk. Anybody recognize this? <laughs> That's what I was talking about. AARP right there. Started getting uh, advertising and everything else. And I get all these publications. They just, they, 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 I, I even get it for free. I've been in it so long. I don't have to pay anything. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, I get these publications, and they're constantly asking me or encouraging me or challenging me or s trying to scare me about whether I have enough to retire on. Can I ask a simple question? How would you ever have enough to retire on? I mean, I need at least $50 million to retire the way I want to. 
So I get this, you know, have you prepared? Have you done this? Are you doing that? And if uh, some of you are taking FPU, you know, you have to start learning how to do some of this. Eventually, at the end, they teach you how to tithe, which is a way to receive blessing back. But before that, you learn you have to give here. You have to pay your bills. You have to stay out of debt. And you have to pay yourself. There's a bit where you have to pay yourself. And uh, so I'm, I'm doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm piling it in, you know, as much as I can. All, all $20 a year, I'm putting it in there and uh, trying to save up. How can I possibly relax about the future is the next question, right? The ultimate question. How can I? What's the ultimate question? How can I relax in retirement? No, the ultimate question is what the rich young ruler, he had it all already. He had his retirement set. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus, and what does he ask him? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? How do I settle the ultimate retirement question? The proof that we live in a world saturated with unbelief is how seldom we ask that question, even as we bury people. Are we, where are we make assumptions about how it goes after we walk through that door? What's the ultimate return? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Is there a heaven and is there a shut door to heaven? The answer class is yes. And Jesus is the open door for the way to heaven. Him being with me settles the ultimate question of my ultimate retirement. Here's what the scripture tells us in this passage we already read. This time going back to verse 21. She will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Yeshua, the Hebrew, Old Testament language. Remember the guy who took the people into the promised land? His name was Joshua. That name is almost the same. Yasha is the Hebrew word for salvation, saving. Joshua was named after that process, and Jesus is referred to as our new Joshua. In fact, um, in the New Testament, the words are very similar as well, because in Hebrew, uh, or in Greek rather, when they wrote the, new t- uh, the Old Testament into Greek, the Septuagint as it's called, um, Joshua is Yesoi, Jesus in the New Testament is Jesus. It's the same root word of salvation. That's what it's talking about. He shall be named Jesus. He shall be named Joshua. He shall be named Yasha. Salvation. Why? Because it's a cool name. No, because he will save his people from their sins. There is such a thing as sin. I mean, our culture has erased it as much as possible. Nobody's responsible for anything they do anymore. But the songs we sang, even this morning, if you sing Hark the Herald Angels, Peace on Earth, Mercy Mild, God and Sinners Reconciled. The eternal issue has been settled. Occasionally I wonder about it, don't you? You ever wonder about what's going to be like? When you actually step through that door, I, you know, I, I probably connect with this, with this issue, death, more often than most of us. And it's like, what will I see first? What did they see first? Who will meet them? Is it all real? You ever? It is. And Jesus proved that it was. And never said anything was wrong about what he taught. He, he, uh, he was transfigured with Moses on the mountain. How did they know it was Moses? Because they had name tags, of course. <laughs> Real people from the story that you've been reading from the Daily Bible. Real people alive in glory meeting with Jesus on the mountaintop. Don't you think we're going to see them? Yes. I don't know how quickly... Um, There's a few of them I really want to talk to. So, first you establish your IRA, and then you shovel money into it, right? You establish your IRA, and then you shovel money into it. If I have let him forgive my sins, I've established my IRA. Now what? 
shovel money into it. I'm not talking about money right now, although it might sound like it. My retirement is settled. Now I want to keep socking it away. When a believer practices mercy, almsgiving, hospitality, sharing the gospel, doing good deeds, Jesus said to his disciples, serve people who can't pay you back, and in the resurrection of the righteous, you will be repaid. I think this is the part that many churches where We've been saturated in easy believism. We miss the point. We miss the point. I've shared this several times. I'm going to share it again a little bit. In fact, I'm going to put something on the screen in a minute. A Life That God Rewards by Bruce Wilkinson. If you don't know who he is, the, I believe um, through the Bible uh, seminars that they did, whatever they were called, he was the brains behind that. He's also the author of The Prayer of Jabez. Everybody remember that? Everybody liked The Prayer of Jabez. Make my turf bigger, Lord. (laughs) Give me that $50 million for retirement. Amen. No? We like that. The, The rest of the story is not as much fun, if you will. I think we miss the meaning of what was involved in the prayer of Jabez when he prayed, enlarge my borders. It's not just about gimme, gimme, gimme. It's that God would be glorified. It's that God would have his way taking territory and bringing him honor. The life God rewards, uh, Mr. Wilkerson makes some great statements. I'm going to read this one. You can follow along as it's on the screen. The teachings of Jesus show us that there are two keys that determine everything about your eternity. Boy, if you don't get anything out of today except this, get this. There are two things that determine everything about your eternity. The first key is your belief. This key unlocks the door to eternal life and determines where you will spend eternity. The second key is your behavior. It unlocks the door to reward and determines how you will spend eternity. The first one opens the IRA. The second one keeps socking it away. How you will spend eternity. For me, this this was an eternal rest of Emmanuel, God being with me. I have never looked back. I just keep doing what the Lord tells me in the scripture or the spirit prompts me to do. I keep serving him, trying to obey him, giving when he prompts me, serving somebody when he prompts me, moving, moving. And I don't keep track. And you know what? I think true disciples fall into that. They don't keep track. They don't go, well, let's see. I helped Keyshawn and Sarah with this and they owe me. And Mr. Hedden, you owe me five times because of that. That's not the believer, right? When you, when you read the stories of Jesus, when he says, in the, in the judgment time, the disciples come to Jesus and go, hey. Well, I don't know if they say hey. <laughs> Maybe they say oi. I don't know. But they come to Je- hail. <laughs> yeah, ave. When they come to When they come to Jesus, he says, Inasmuch as you've done it unto one of these, the least of my brethren. Remember that? He said, uh, when you visited me, when you did this, when you gave that, when you clothed me. When, Lord? I love that reason. Every time I read it, I weep. Every time I read it, I weep. When? When, Lord? When did we do that? We We don't remember seeing you out in the street. Ah, inasmuch as you did it. They forgot. That was just their habit. They just kept shoveling it into their IRA. They just keep shoveling it in. I have, as Paul said, committed unto him, unto that day, what I've invested. I don't worry about it. It's his problem. You keep track. I'm going to have a few demerits. I'm also going to have some stuff with interest. How about you? First key opens your IRA. The second one, the second key is your behavior, your obedience, what you do. It unlocks the door to reward and determines how you will spend eternity. All the good Bible teachers, reformers, and everybody else all taught these kinds of truths. John Calvin, just a quick one real quick. I could go through like 10 of them right here. 
But just this one. Nothing is clearer than that a reward is promised for good works. I'm going to repeat that. Nothing is clearer than that a reward is promised for good works. In order to support the weakness of our flesh by some comfort. In other words, we want to get paid back. So our flesh goes, come on. And so, yeah, okay. God works with us that way. But not to inflate our minds with vain glory. We don't think we're all that in a bag of chips just because you did a few things. In fact, those disciples forgot, and they go, when did we ever do that? And in another place, Jesus instructs his disciples, when you do all that you were told, simply say to me, we're unprofitable servants. We barely did what you told us. I like that one because I fit right in there. I barely do what he tells me, right? Am I making sense? We've got too much of, I've got my ticket, and it's okay for me to sit here and waste my life. That's what I wanted to say. I remember this. When I became a Christian and I felt called to ministry, that was an ultimate issue for me. It's not the same for all of us, but we're all called to be kingdom people. All of us. Somebody actually said, why would you want to waste your life doing that? There's people in this room that that's exactly what you think. What a waste of life. That's all you're going to do is religion. You're not going to make lots of money. You're not going to be famous. Listen, Harmony is finally on the map. Jim Vizethan from our church, right on the front page. Now I'm going to ask something. What? It was for me, I'm sure. And if and and by the way, if it wasn't, it is now. And uh, Mr. Nauta back there, your son responded to a call to ministry, right? Is he getting rich? Why not? Uh, let me ask you. No- oh, now don't tell the answer. <laughs> Is he on the front page of the Long Island Press? Probably not. Aww. Why does he want to waste his life doing that? Why does any Christian want to waste their life living for Jesus? Are you getting the point? You can gain everything. Jesus said you can gain the world. What profit is it to you if you gain the world and lose your soul? If you miss out... And you may gain your soul, so to speak, getting into heaven by the skin of your teeth. But what a disappointment. Oh, there won't be any disappointment in heaven. Baloney. Read it again. Read it again. Why do you think he has to wipe away all tears? Oh, it's because of all our pain down here. Uh Uh-uh. Oh, I hate meddling. No, I love meddling, don't you? I'm asking us to think clearly. He's called us into this wonderful cooperation with him. Whatever I was wired to do with my life, whether it's ministry or any other skill or thing that I'm the best web designer on the planet, right? Sanctified by the grace of God so that I'm walking in humility and reflecting the image of Jesus. That's the calling on me. I'm his first working in the world second. I'm his first Working in the world second. Here's the good news at the very end. I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. For what? Their deeds follow with them. Is that cool? That is so cool. I don't have to worry. I've shoveled it into my IRA. I'm letting Jesus keep the account. I don't even. I'll wait and be surprised when I get there. Get on with it. And some of you may do better than me. Do you remember Billy Graham? And they said, do you think you'll hear well done and good and faithful servant the interviews after he died? And he said, well, I hope so. <gasps> now, most of us good Christians, of course, we've already got it figured out. Of course, he's going to have way more rewards than Pastor John and way more rewards than you can never know that you can't know that that's why his answer was right I hope so I hope so I think I reasonably expect uh, well done
but I don't know that I'll do better than some of you who have prayed down strongholds and pressed through to the glory of God and seen victories that I haven't seen. I don't know. We're going to wait and see. And one thing will be true. It'll all be just and sorted out, and it'll make sense to us then. Even though right now, it doesn't always. Okay, first, internally, he's with me. And, and if I'm missing that, I'm probably missing the gospel, brothers and sisters and friends. I'm probably missing the gospel. Second, he's with me eternally. My retirement is settled. I don't worry about it anymore. Isn't that a relief? Third, he's with me actively. A couple of weeks, oh, it's been more than that. Where's Corey? He's here. Corey preached. Remember that? Gave us a little history lesson, and Paul was in prison. Paul was in prison. When I thought about God being with me actively, this verse came to my mind immediately. So let me just read through it for you. At my first defense, Paul said, no one supported me. He's in jail in, in uh, Rome. Remember that? But all deserted me. Anybody know what that feels like? Oh, boy, I sure do. I do. Christians, my colleagues, my friends. Oh, oh, something didn't go right. All of a sudden, oh, we don't know him anymore. It's a wonderful feeling. And my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. Sounds like he's a Christian. He didn't pray, may they be destroyed by Roman lions in the arena. Are we laughing because it sounds familiar to our prayers or what? I don't know. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me in order that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear. And what happened? I was delivered out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And by the way, he was executed for the gospel, but God delivered, trust me. He was delivered safely to the heavenly kingdom. He will bring him safely home. And he did. But the Lord was actively with Paul in the midst of the trial. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. It's an old book that I used to reference periodically to bolster my inner spirit in a new way. It's called True Discipleship. I'm just going to be candid. It's a great book. It is a little bit legalistic, so it makes me nervous when other people read it because they may get on my case. You're not doing what he said in here. What's the matter with you? But listen to this. A quote from Hudson Taylor, the man who founded the China Inland Mission. Do you all know the story of him, by the way? <laughs> For those of you who didn't say yup, you said yup. You know, he went to China to reach the Chinese continent and all mission thinking of the time. Here's one of the big problems in churches and in kingdom work. All the mission organizations of the time believed that the only way to evangelize was to go to the coastlands and evangelize in those coastal cities. And Hudson Taylor said, what about the masses of humanity inside the mainland? No, you can't do it. And they fought with him about it. And he finally said, I'm going to have to trust God to do this on my own. Started the China Inland Mission. And the rest is history. And some of his faith realities were amazing. And here's one of his statements. And this gives me courage all God's giant, all God's giants have been weak men or weak women who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. Not perfect, not perfect, not super spiritual. Oh, my head is always up in the heavenlies. All the issues of life never trouble me. None of that's true. They were all real people, weak, with weaknesses, with brokenness, whatever it might be. There was one thing that worked for them. They believed God would be with them. Emmanuel. That's how it worked. 
I've seen people who are not very strong Christians over the years rise up incredibly in the middle of, middle of a crisis, in an emotionally challenging time, in the midst of temptation, in the need for whatever it might happen to be. I've seen them rise up in a crisis, even dying grace for saints. God with us. People who rely, believe that God is with me and that he manifests it. Jesus came, he came into history to change our history and to change our personal history. He's with us, right? And that's why my question was, God, with who? Well, I'm telling you my story today. I'm praising him that he's with me. Do you know that for yourself, that he's with you as well? Because he wants to be. Here's a great little verse. You'll all recognize this. Philippians chapter 4, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He's been with me, just like he was with Paul. He's been with me in all kinds of oppositional situations. When somebody in my family saw me get a little crabby one time, and I was a brand new, born-again believer, knowing I was on a new journey to follow Jesus, and I was told, you'll never be a minister, blah, blah, blah. Well, they were wrong. When we were going off to seminary and people death spoke to us and said, you'll never get an apartment on campus. And we didn't know anything about where we were going. We're scared to death, Sherry and I, driving across country in our 65 Chevy Malibu that I never changed the oil on because I didn't know any better. With all our worldly possessions in the smallest U-Haul trailer you could get, not knowing where we were going, and people were saying, you'll never get a place on campus, but the Lord strengthened us and stood by us, and we got on campus. When I was in terror the night that we staked out a minister who was lying about an affair he was having and had to catch him red-handed, sitting in the car all night, feeling absolute terror, shaking. I'd never done that before. Thank God I haven't done it since either. And I remember the elder with me praying and felt like the oil of the Spirit came over me. It was uncanny. Like Paul's saying, but the Lord strengthened me. Went up, it's over. Or the time we were looking for a missionary that we had heard through the grapevine had passed away, and yet the organization down there in the middle of Mexico was still taking money, and we went, we better check this out. So I flew with a missionary pilot down into Mexico, and we landed on an obscure air base, and all of a sudden we were surrounded by guys with M16s, La Ferraris, and I was like, oh, I think this was a boo-boo. And the missionary pilot whacked me and went, okay, John, get out there and say buenos dias and stuff, you know? And I was reflecting with my wife how I could still be dying in a prison somewhere. Nobody would have known. But the Lord stood by us. And the next day we got on that plane and took off, even though they tried to impound it, suspecting we were drug runners. You could go on and on, and so could you. So could you. But God makes it available to who? To us. So if you've never settled that question, that you know your eternity, you know that your your IRA is established, and you're socking it in, that you know why you're here, you're not here by accident. Not a person in this room is here by accident. Not only in the room, but in life. No such thing. No such thing as an accident. You're here by divine design. He's got something in mind for you. Probably better than that elf. But he's got something in mind. And do you know that he can be with you, strengthening you actively in your life in the here and now? He's the living God. He's not something we study from the shelf with dirty old dusty books. He's alive. He's the living God, and he's engaged with us 
if we're engaged with him. I think it was Pastor Derek who said, God is with us. The question is, are we with him? If you've never settled that, when you pick up your mug today, I've got these little booklets. What on earth am I here for? It's an old classic, but that ties exactly into what Emmanuel means to me. He's with me tangibly. It's amazing. Back in 1971 is when the turn happened for me. I've never looked back. All of these years, he's proven himself over and over to be Emmanuel. If you want to talk to someone or pray with somebody to settle that issue today, you can come up and talk to me. I'll ask the elders to be up front if they're here. And uh, some are elders, deacons. And also, if you just want to read it on your own, sort it out, pick up a copy on the way out where you pick up your uh, little mug. That's our gift. Merry Christmas to you. And I'm going to ask you to stand as we close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are Jesus, for you shall save your people from their sins, and you've done it, and you're still doing it. And we thank you that you were called Emmanuel in fulfillment of the prophecy, Emmanuel, God with us, because you really are. And you're the one who said to your disciples, you know what, it's to your advantage that I go back to be with my father because then the helper will come and it's by the spirit of Jesus that your reality of being with us is manifested. And so, Father, we ask in Jesus' name that all those hearing my voice today would have either settled it, would reestablish their choice to be paying into it, or that they would enter into it for the first time. We pray for the work of your spirit to help us see the truth as opposed to all the screaming that the world gives us. Help us to hear from you. We'll thank you. I pray, Father, for my people, that you would put your angelic warriors around them in this next week of chaos and celebrating. Bring us back together to worship you. We'll thank you and send them with the blessing of your spirit through the holiday time, rejoicing in the ultimate thing that's been settled. Eternity has been settled because of what Jesus did. In name, we say on Christmas that it's about you. We want it to be in our spirit as well. We rejoice in you. Put your favor on us. We ask for your blessing. On the authority of the great name of Jesus, the Savior of the world, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Great holiday. Maybe I'll see you tomorrow night. And if you want to ask questions or pray with someone, come talk to me. <laughs>